Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Thank you, Heath. Good morning. Shall we pray? Lord God Almighty, thank you for the privilege of being here. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that you give me to talk about your word, to talk about you, to talk about you, Jesus, Father, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for every single one of us that we'll open our hearts, put away any distraction, anything that might prevent you from speaking to us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you've been with us for a while, we are doing Galatians. That's right. And we are at chapter 5. I feel like I'm a bit loud. You're right. Okay. Chapter 5. So you turn, get with me to, back, to the end of chapter 5, and we're going to go into chapter 6. Galatians, written by Paul to the church in Galatia, and has so much relevance for us today. So Galatians 5. I'm going to start at 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be, be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Lovely piece of scripture. It starts with, if we live, well, it doesn't start, but the section I'm going with, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, if you are born again, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then walk in step with him. The Christian life is not just one of simple obedience. It's much more. It's being so in love with Jesus, so enraptured by him, that I want to do everything I can to please him. That's what it's about. And isn't it interesting? Paul's been talking about this. Don't be under the law. Walk by the Spirit. Don't be under the law. And the first sort of practical thing he addresses is our attitudes. You know, when you look at the Old Testament, as I pondered it, if you think about the law, it's all about don't do this and do that and do this. How much attitude is in there? Not much, hey? If you think about it. So I can be this wonderfully law-abiding citizen. I look so good on the outside, but inside I'm bitter, irritated, frustrated. No one ever gets to see. Jesus in the New Testament says, no, no, no. It's actually much more than just doing. It's all about your heart. So he says stuff like if you look at a person with anger, you commit murder. How many of you have committed murder on the roads? Over and over. <laughs> But that's what it's about. Serial killers, yeah, we are. If we take God at his word, our attitudes, and the first attitude that Paul even goes to here, not only attitude, but our attitude with, about each other. That's what he's addressing. Very real stuff. 
So today, I've got a, my title. I don't often put a title, but I felt God drop this into my heart. Are we in our relationships, in our attitudes, in our relationships, are we earthbound or heavenbound? Are we trapped under the law or are we flying with the Spirit? What are we today? And as, I, as, I, as we chat, think about it. Am I earthbound or am I heavenbound? If I'm earthbound, simply, it's all about me. How is this relationship meeting my needs? What are you doing for me? And if you're not doing anything for me, then I'm going to discard you because you're of no use to me anymore. If I'm heavenbound, I'm walking in step with the Spirit. And it's about loving God and loving you and what's good for you, not what's in it for me. So earthbound, he starts off in verse 26, and he says, let us not become conceited. It's interesting when you look at the Greek, the word behind conceited is vain glory, glory of man, or empty of glory. If you're conceited, you're relying on what man says about you. So you have nothing. So you have nothing. How do we get conceited? When we rely on what we do. And when we're talking Christians here, we're talking all of us as Christians. Rely on what we do. When we think that by doing, God will honor me. By doing, God will honor me. When we're not walking in step with the Spirit, that's when we get conceited. And so we, don't, we lack honor. I'm realizing I'm not filled up in that way, so what do we do? How do we, how do we stop it? We start comparing, and we look at that person, and we think, hmm, I can do that better than that one. Oh, that one, I'm not so, oh, they're a bit better than me. Don't we do that all the time with comparing? I remember, and I'm going to be very vulnerable, sometimes going to the gym and thinking, yo, she's carrying a bit of weight. And the Holy Spirit said to me, how can you look at that person like that? Pray for them. So as soon as that thought slips in, instead of comparing, I'm, Jesus, there's a woman who's come to gym. And I, and I think positively, rather, nobody knows what I thought, now you do, but nobody else was thinking, knew what I was thinking, because I wasn't showing it in my actions. So I want to suggest to you today, and just an image today, if we are, two ways we can be earthbound, two ways when we compare ourselves. One can be this superior, like the giraffe. High up, looking down on these mere mortals around me. Look what they do, poor things. Such Such a low view of life down there. All about me, superior. Or we're a mouse. I can see the toenails of the giraffe. And I can see the bits of grass. I can't see much else. I must be so little and I'm so useless. Can you see the mouse there as the picture come? See the mouse. Sorry, I'm going out of order. I always do this to poor old Trevor. Little mouse, we'll see a picture just now. Can I just say, so when you look at yourself, see the mouse, can you see him? Hardly, hey, because he's so inferior. And the giraffe is so superior. So which are we? And can I say, what we tend to do is we think we isolate ourselves in ways of saying, I'm a giraffe or I'm a mouse. But you know what? Through the day, depending on my circumstances, depending on who I'm with, Depending on how I'm feeling, I'm a giraffe 
and then I'm a mouse. Have you noticed how you do that? In one context, you'll feel confident and you'll feel superior. But in another context, you'll feel a bit like a little stupid little brown mouse. And today, let's look at those. So how, how do we identify it? Some things, and I've got them on the screen for you. Superior attitude. How can we recognize the superior attitude? We admire ourselves too much and want the praise of others more than we should. Facebook. <laughs> Have you seen how glorious I look today? <laughs> we want too much praise. When I look at others, I feel I am better, so I have this arrogant attitude. I just know more, darling. Haven't you read the word? Of course you knew who Elijah was, that Tabitha was speaking. Don't you know the word? We pick arguments. We blow up about things. Our response to criticism is angry and judgmental. Our thoughts are, I would never do that. We have an assertive pride. Now, I don't know about you, but as I, when I wrote those, I can tick a lot of those boxes in certain situations. And if we believe, let's be honest with ourselves. It's how we're thinking. An example is Joseph. Joseph in the Bible, he was the apple of his father's eye. His father did not help him from not having the superior attitude. He made him a coat of many colors. So he fanned the superior attitude into Joseph. But Joseph did his own part. He gets these two dreams where one, his cow is eating all the other cows and the other one, his wheat is consuming all the other wheat. And he, whoa, well, brothers, <laughs> guess what? I am the one. You're all gonna worship me. He became so superior. And we do the same. How about the inferior? Like that little mouse. See how many of these we can tick with in other situations. When we look at others, we feel we lack what they have, and so we envy them. Our actions are to avoid confrontation. We clam up. We just, mm -mm, not going to talk about it. Our response to criticism is to be discouraged or defensive. We think we could never do that. And we have a timid pride. When are we inferior? And an example I can give, I had the privilege earlier this year, we had the privilege of going to a restaurant that we don't normally go to. A very, very Lani restaurant. And everybody looked very Lani. And they all had the right clothes on. And they all had animated conversation. And when the man came and put the, na the napkin on my lap, everyone else knew what to do. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I felt inferior. Hopefully nobody notices this little brown mouse sitting on this chair. Doesn't quite know what to do in this situation. I was inferior. Both of those. Both of those. What's wrong? We're comparing ourselves with others. In Galatians, in that chapter, in that verse 4, it says, But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast. And it's interesting, the, the Greek word behind that in King James, it says the reason to rejoice. 
will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. We measure ourselves against ourselves by the light of his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, at school, and I, and I could just a little side here because I, I thought of it as I was preparing. Parents, we can do a grave damage to our children. They come home with a test and we ask them, where did you come? Were you top of the class, top 10, da, da, da? We can't, we're immediately teaching our children to compare with others. It's how did you feel you did? Did you do the best that you can? And if you didn't, come on, my love, you can do better. And if you did everything that you can, well done. Keep going. Just a little thing, comparing. We, we teach our children so early to compare that as, when we get, as we are now, we keep on doing it. One day we will have to give an account. In Galatians verse 5, it says, for each will have to bear his own load. What is that? In the Greek, again, it's like a little backpack. In other portions of Scripture, it says we each carry our own cross. We have stuff that we need to bear. And one day we will stand to account before God for what we did with our load. But there's more than that. And that's what the Scripture is all about. So changing, that's the earthbound. Are you a giraffe? Well, I should say, I shouldn't say, are you? When are you a giraffe? And when are you a mouse? So how do we change? How do we change from being earthbound to heavenbound? Well, what's the antidote to superiority? Remember Joseph? Here I am, guys, brothers, this is it. You're so blessed to have me because I'm going to rule. What did God do with him? He became a slave. He went into prison. He had to learn a whole lot of lessons. And you know what? When we, if we remain superior, God will. If we're, with, if we're a Christian, he will. He will teach us. What's the answer to inferiority? As I sat in that restaurant, I can please to tell you, I didn't remain a mouse. I sat there and I felt the Holy Spirit say, excuse me, Lainey. You are a princess of the most high God. You carry me. Sit up, enjoy the meal, and pray for those who are around you. That is the answer to that inferiority. So to superiority is, I am a sinner. That's what Joseph had to learn. He had to learn, like everybody else, I am a sinner. No matter what my gifting, no matter what I look like, no matter how much money I've made, no matter, no matter, no matter, whatever makes you feel superior, you are a sinner, the same as everybody else. And the inferiority, on the other extreme, I am a son of God. I carry his presence. Paul said it so beautifully in Galatians. If you look back in chapter 3, verse 20 said, 26, he says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Through faith. Faith in what? Faith that I am a sinner. Well, faith, but knowing I am a sinner, faith in Jesus to make me a son of God by accepting him as Lord and Savior. The answer to that inferiority, the answer to the superiority. You know, when we're superior, we are very bold but we are not humble. When we're inferior, we are very humble, 
but we're not bold. Only in the gospel, I lose that self-sufficiency. I lose that self-disdaining. I'm just not worth it. Only in the gospel do I realize I am a sinner just like everyone else. Therefore, we're on an equal level. And at same time, I realize I'm emboldened. I'm given courage because I am his son. You know, the word says, there's a beautiful scripture in Deuteronomy. He says, we are the apple of his eye. If you read, it'll be on the, on the, on the screen. It says, Deuteronomy 32 verse 10. Talking about Israel. Talking about Israel being found by God. Which is a, similar, which is a, par- is a picture of us being found by God when we get born again. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Isn't that beautiful? We are the apple of his eye. Apple means like the pupil. When you walk close to a person and you look in their eyes, what do you see? You see yourself. Because we are the apple of his eye. Isn't that incredible? We are the apple of his eye. We can walk with boldness and yet with humility because we are sinners and we are just the same as everybody else. So we move from this earthbound to heavenbound. So then what do we do? As we've learned, it's not about me. It's not about comparing with others. When we are humble yet bold, we're ready to be used. In 6 verse 2, Paul writes, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Remember in verse 5, he says, you carry your own backpack. It's a different word here. Burdens are heavy. They are onerous. You can't carry it by yourself. You need community. You need friends. Go back to verse 1. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I want to unpack this, this verse quite a bit. That word, if anyone is caught, is overtaken, taken by surprise. We are all overtaken by sin. Where you say something perhaps and you think, ah, why did I say that? That wasn't godly. That wasn't kind. You who are spiritual. Okay, so that's the heavyweights, you know? That's the heavyweights, the spiritual ones. Well, I'm not spiritual. Uh-uh. The spiritual are those who are walking in step with the spirit. A heavyweight cannot be walking in step with the, spirit, with the Spirit. I might be doing stuff and preaching the Word to you, but I've got a sin. And you need to call me to account. You need to gently restore me. We are all spiritual when we are walking in step with the Spirit. If we're superior, if someone's sinning, that attitude will be, well, thank God I don't do that. And oh, well, you can just see how much better I am because I don't do that stuff. If we're inferior, we won't confront because who am I? Who am I to say anything of what I'm seeing? We're scared 
We have fear of man, and so we do not confront sin. Both are wrong. Restore. That word, interestingly enough, means to set a dislocated bone back into place. I asked Sean to remind me. I can remember him. In his, he's, a, he's a doctor, and in his training towards the end of his um, studies, you go into the hospitals and you work. And he was in the orthopedic. And they had this guy came in whose shoulder, that bone, was so out of place. He was in agony. And it took two young men, one pulling one way, don't ask me how they did it, and one pulling the other way with all their strength under the direction of the orthopedic, whichever way to pull, to get that bone back in. Aina. Aina. But Sean said immediate relief. Restoring is not comfortable, but we are in pain, and we need to carry each other's burdens. We need to restore each other. Notice it says afterwards, straight afterwards, in a spirit, in a spirit of gentleness, with love, with true love, wanting that person to be better. You know, when you discipline children, you have to often ask yourself, am I disciplining them because I want to make my life easier? <laughs> or am I disciplining them for their own good? And in the same way, are we disciplining? Are we restoring each other because my life is uncomfortable? Become superior again. Or because I feel for that person. I want God's best for them. When I pray for them, it's like praying for myself. That's a spirit of gentleness. Don't you love it? Paul doesn't say try and restore. He says restore. With the Holy Spirit, because we are walking in step with him, we can restore. I can stand here confident that in this family, with you who I walk with, if I am caught, if I am overtaken by sin, you with gentleness will come to me and say, Lainey, let's, res- let's restore you. Let's, in- let's lift, move you on in your relationship with Jesus. You know, we, we, when we're filled with the Spirit, we're very keen and easy to pray for people's needs, aren't we? We're keen to pray for healing and restoration, and that's all good. But at the same token, are we prepared to talk about each other's sin? We don't, do we? We avoid it. Often we're inferior or we superior. Who forgives the sin? Let's be very clear on that. It's we restore each other. We show you've been overtaken by sin. But who forgives the sin? Only Jesus. So by restoring, we're not putting them right because we can't. We're sinners like each one of us. We're all sinners. But we're bringing them to the foot of Christ and saying, Jesus, Turn to Jesus. He forgives all sin. 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no shame at the cross. There is no one superior or inferior at the cross. And he forgives like that. He forgives immediately. The cross and the spirit. Those are the core, core core issues of what I'm talking about today. 
whether we are earthbound, superior or inferior in our attitude towards people? Or are we carrying each other's burdens? Without Jesus, without the cross, we will never be able to have the privilege of the Holy Spirit living in us saying, Laney, you're being superior. As I was preparing this, it's, it's quite, I don't want to tell you, often I've had to find myself, Laney, correct your thoughts. How? By the gospel, by bringing what I've just said to you. Jesus, show me this person in a different way. I am no better. I am no worse. Why am I even comparing? How am I doing in this area, Holy Father? And that's my prayer that as you go this week and forever, we'll remind each other, check how we're thinking. Check how we're comparing. And I can't do that on my own because on my own, I'm just going to go with the thoughts, whatever they might be about other people. But checking in with him, Holy Spirit, help me. Stop. Think about Jesus, gospel. Your gospel tells me I am humble yet bold. I am bold yet humble. Therefore, I can walk in truth. I can walk in fellowship with each other. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. As Paul worked out, as he fell more and more in love with Jesus, he worked harder at being loving Jesus. You know what, my brother's here, and I hope you'll forgive me. I didn't ask permission to tell the story. You can shoot me later, my brother. When he got engaged... I remember this. I don't remember all the detail. But, you know, when you love somebody, you want to make them happy. And the way he, they went, to, they always just go to this trout farm, and there was you know, a nice little walk down to the river. And that particular day, he walked, it, 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 it so happened, as they got to the river, there was a vase full of red roses. Whoa, how did that happen? Why? He'd worked. He'd done something to demonstrate his love. He had to do something. So when we work, when we're in love with Jesus, it's not just sitting, ah, it's all so nice. We need to work. And it's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing to show him how much we love him. So Paul's saying, as I work for you, I want to do even more. And I realize how much more I need you. So in our attitudes, in our, in our relationships, Lord, teach us to love you more in the way that we live. I found this incredible quote by Charles Colson, one of the greats. He he died a couple of years ago. It's quite a mouthful, but if you, he says, ordinary individual lives, that's us, in the breaking of cycles of violence and evil, in the paradoxical power of forgiveness, In the actions of those little platoons, that's us, who live by the transcendent values of the kingdom of God. In the midst of the kingdom of this world, loving their God and loving their neighbor. In my my interpretation of that, I feel weary these days to go on to News 24 to listen to the news. What next missile has been sent over Japan? What war has been declared? What politician, another thing has been exposed? What hijack has just happened? And they showed all over Facebook. 
What friend of mine has just been diagnosed with cancer or died? But you and I in this evil world bring the kingdom of God and we make a difference. Not because of us. Oh, no. Because if it was us, we'd be that superior or inferior. But because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, because I want to love him, I'm going to love the people around me. I'm going to give hope to that person diagnosed with a terminal illness. I'm going to give hope to that person who's just had some violent intrusion in their personal life. I'm going to pray for those politicians that that evil will continue to be exposed and we will advance the kingdom of God. There is hope, so much hope in this world. Jesus, help us to yield to him in the little thoughts day by day by day and love him, love his people. Amen.